This is the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. I'm incredibly honored that you would join us again this month. If you are brand new, I hope that you see yourself as a leader because we're all called to influence and lead others. When the leader gets better, everyone gets better. We do release a brand new podcast uh, on the first Thursday of every single month. And I just want to say a special thank you to those of you who are helping get the word out, sharing on social media. It means so much to me. I love hearing from you. You can email me anytime at leadership at life.church, leadership at life.church. If you've got questions, if you've got comments, if you would like to hear about something particular, uh, just email anytime. And the notes are also available to you to summarize uh, each of the sessions that we cover. If you just let us know you'd like those at life.church slash leadership podcast, give us your email address. We'll send you the notes on uh, the first Thursday of every single month, and you can have those available as well. So normally, I try to answer some questions, but the content of this month's episode is a little bit longer, so we'll deal with questions next month, and uh, I'm going to try to bring high-quality content in 30 minutes or less that will help invest in your leadership. Uh, let me introduce the theme for today. Uh, I'll introduce it with a question. Someone asked at a recent leadership event, they asked, um, what is your highest calling as a leader? What is your highest calling as a leader? To answer that question, I want to read a quote from Harry Firestone, the founder of the company, Firestone. He said this, the growth and development of people is the highest calling in leadership. The growth and development of people is the highest calling in leadership. And that's what I want to talk about today. Where do you find great leaders? You don't find great leaders. You develop great leaders. I want to talk about part one of developing. I'm calling this episode The Developer's Dark Side. The Developer's Dark Side. Next month, we'll be very specific on how we actually develop others. Today, I want to talk about The Developer's Dark Side. Uh, Here's an important thought if you're taking notes. So many leaders obsess about finding the right strategy. So many leaders obsess about finding the right strategy. The best leaders obsess about developing and empowering the right people. Let me say it again. So many leaders obsess about finding the right strategy. The best leaders obsess about developing and empowering the right people. Why? Because as we said before, people are the most valuable asset in your organization. That's why as leaders, we don't bet on strategies. We don't bet on products. We don't bet on ideas. We bet on people. I've actually had some people push back and say, no, we want good ideas. We want good products. We want good strategies. Well, who comes up with great ideas, products, and strategies? People come up with great ideas, products, and strategies. That's why we always bet on people. We have to understand, though, as leaders, that strong leaders are not created by accident. Other leaders in our organization that are great, they're not created by accident. Strong leaders are created when the development is intentional. So I want to talk about this month and next month, how do we intentionally develop in a way that really does empower people? Now, some of you are going to think, okay, I'm now in a new leadership role, or I'm a seasoned leader, and I want to develop people and help someone get better on the team. The problem is we tend to think about developing people when they make a mistake. If there's performance that's not adequate, if they didn't do a great job in some area, we think, okay, now we need to develop that person. The best time, I'm going to argue, though, is to develop on the front side of problems. 
rather than just developing whenever someone makes a mistake, it's even better to develop before they make a mistake, not on the backside of mistakes. And when we do, what we want people to understand is that we are here to help them grow. We're not just pointing out what they did wrong, but we're here because we love them and care about them. So let's talk about the four dark sides of developers. Um, If you find yourself developing people and you think, I wanna help them get better, you might unintentionally find yourself doing four things. Number one, controlling. Number two, criticizing. Number three, avoiding. Number four, rescuing. What are the four dark sides of developers? Controlling, criticizing, avoiding, and rescuing. Now, you may be thinking, I've worked for a person like this before. Uh, Maybe you're thinking, well, she thought she was developing me, but really, she was controlling me the whole time. Or he thought he was making me better, but when he criticized me, it actually was really discouraging to me. Or she talked about developing people, but we never knew where we stood in the organization. Or perhaps he said he trusted me, but he always took over and did everything himself. He didn't trust me at all. What I want you to do is to take a minute, and as we go through this, to really identify which of these four areas um, would be a problem for you. Most likely, all of us would have a dominant problem area and a secondary, a primary challenge area and a secondary one. And if you're going through this with team members, and I recommend that you do, this is a great tool to talk about with each other to say, here's where I see you need to grow um, and such. So if you're having a hard time discerning which is my area that I need to grow in, let me just give you a little way to find out. Ask somebody around you because chances are really, really good that those that you work with already know, yes, you can be either controlling, critical, avoiding, or rescuing. So let's break these down in the four different uh, dark sides that we need to work on. The first, if you're taking notes, is the controlling leader. And let me give you some thoughts about the controlling leader. Um, an immature, insecure, or inexperienced leader often confuses controlling with leading. This is really important. An immature, insecure, or inexperienced leader often confuses controlling with leading. But we need to remember that leadership is about influence, not about control. Leadership is about influencing people, not about controlling people. Now, the good thing about the controlling leader is he or she is highly engaged and cares deeply. That's a a positive. The downside is with good intentions um, and almost always unknowingly, this controlling leader creates a very dysfunctional culture. And occasionally, the controlling leader will know, and you know, I'm kind of a little bit controlling, and sometimes they'll laugh about it. This is not a laughing matter. If you ever find yourself kind of joking about it, yeah, I know I can be a control freak or whatever, this is not funny. It can be very, very devastating to the morale of your team and the potential of your organization. What will the controlling leader do? He or she will oftenly, unknowingly um, intimidate, threaten, they might produce decent short-term results, but over the long-term, it's always crippling to the organization. Here's the problem, and you can write this down. Controlling leaders create compliant followers. Controlling leaders create compliant followers. What happens? A controlling leader creates yes people, people who do what they're told, but they're unwilling and sometimes even become unable to think for themselves. Now, most leaders don't decide, I want to be a controlling leader. The bottom line is the controlling leader simply doesn't trust 
people to execute on their own. And this is a really big problem because where there is no trust, there is no connection. We have to remember, position may give you power to control, but trust will give you permission to lead. Let me say it again, this is so important. Position may give you power to control, but trust will give you permission to lead. If you're a controlling leader, let me promise you what's gonna happen over time in your organization. If you're a controlling leader, the best leaders are gonna leave, the followers are gonna stay, and your organization is going to suffer. Let me drive this point home. If you're a controlling leader, the best leaders are not gonna stick around. The followers, they're gonna stay, and over time, your organization will suffer. The application is very simple, and that is this. You can have control, or you can have growth, but you can't have both. In order to empower people, we have to stop controlling them, start trusting them, start believing in them, start giving away true authority, and they may not be great at first, but over time they'll improve and we'll see our whole organization improve when we stop controlling. Let's talk secondly about the critical leader. Um, the critical leader often unknowingly picks at people, picks at people, picks at people, is always pointing out what's wrong. Here's the problem. The critical leader produces insecure followers. The critical leader produces insecure followers. What happens? This leader always points out what's wrong, rarely what's right. This leader has good intentions and thinks that he or she is helping. And they often believe, okay, to help someone improve, I've got to show them what they did wrong, what they did wrong. The truth is to help someone improve, what we want to do is we want to show them what they did right, and then we want to show them what they can do better. Now, you may think, okay, Craig, you just said the same thing. I didn't say the same thing. The first thing we want to do is we want to affirm them because they are doing something hopefully right. Then, instead of saying, here's what you did wrong, what we want to do is say, here's what you can do better. Not what you did wrong, but what you can do better. This seems like a really small tweak, but it's really not. What it does is it helps that leader know that we are for them. We're not here to point out what they did wrong. We're here to invest in them, and we believe that they can get a lot better. If we're always critical, what it does is it creates a climate of fear where people are always second-guessing themselves. I don't want to be criticized. I don't want to do the wrong thing. And so they don't feel like they have the, the freedom to be creative, to experiment, or to get out of the safety zone. I'll give you an example. Um, in my organization, we create a lot of different products and um, resources. And one of the things we do is we, we create videos that create interest in what's coming. Well, I've always been involved in this process. And one of the leaders said, Craig, let's take you out of the process and see what happens. My controlling or critical nature wanted to be involved so I can control every step of the way um, and pick it apart as it's going. And he said, no, what you're doing, your presence alone is creating fear and the team is um, unwilling to experiment because they don't wanna let you down. They really wanna please you. So by simply taking me out of the process, what it did is it eliminated this, we wanna please Craig mindset and instead, it gave the team permission to experiment, to get out of the boundaries that normally would be considered safe, and to get very, um, very, very creative. What they brought back was a product that was far, far, far better, I believe, than if I had been involved. What did I do? By simply removing my presence, it communicated trust. There was a team that knew they had the freedom to experiment, and the end product was way, way, way better. And what did I contribute to that? Simply staying out of the way and believing in some people and letting them do this, okay? 
Anytime a team member's afraid to fail, they're gonna be afraid to experiment. If they're afraid to experiment, it's gonna be very difficult to grow and su succeed. So the application is simple. If you're a critical leader, um, the critical leader does this. The, the critical leader gives blame, the strong leader takes responsibility. The critical leader gives blame, the strong leader takes responsibility. Uh, I've taught on this before, but I think it's worth saying again, we don't ever blame our people for what they don't do. We never ever say our people don't whatever. What we do as a leader is we say, we have not led our people to. We are not blaming, we're taking responsibility and everyone gets better. Let's talk about the avoiding leader number three. The problem with the avoiding leader is this. The avoiding leader creates disengaged followers. The avoiding leader creates disengaged followers. So let's be honest, in our organization, there's always gonna be issues. The avoiding leader though, doesn't wanna get involved and she may be too busy, he may be distracted. Generally, the avoiding leader is afraid of confrontation. So what happens? The avoiding leader doesn't coach, doesn't mentor, doesn't get involved, so the team member doesn't know if he or she's doing a good job. What ends up happening? Well, a lack of communication is actually translated as a lack of caring. If you're not telling me what I'm doing right or wrong, then I assume that you're not caring. And so as the team member, if I think my leader doesn't care, then it's really difficult for me to care. That's why the avoiding leader creates disengaged followers. Anytime you see an avoiding leader, almost everyone around is aware that there's a problem not being addressed. So over time, if the avoiding leader doesn't address the problem, eventually the problem is no longer the problem. The avoiding leader then becomes the problem. Here's the application. The avoiding leader, the problem is, the avoiding leader creates disengaged followers. The application is, you cannot correct what you're unwilling to confront. Let me just encourage you, stay engaged, you will never be successful by avoiding problems. See them early and solve them quickly. Confront them, don't be afraid to confront problems. This is what great leaders do. Let's talk about the rescuing leader, the rescuing leader. Some of you, this is you, you are the rescuing leader. Uh, why are you a rescuing leader? Because you have an unconscious need to feel valued and there's no better way to feel valued than to be a savior. Here's the problem. The rescuing leader creates helpless followers. The rescuing leader creates helpless followers. What happens? Well, the rescuing leader has good intentions. Uh, and this is not like the avoiding leader or the uh, disengaged leader. The rescuing leader cares and no one questions engagement. The problem is over engagement. Some of you, you've seen this in family dynamics. It's the um, person who's addicted and the family continues to overcompensate for that person's behaviors. It's the person that uh, is always broke and someone continues to give them money and it ends up not helping the situation. In the end, it ends up hurting them. As a leader, what we tend to do is we look at someone in the organization and say, he or she isn't doing this right. So instead of helping the team member learn and grow, the rescuing leader does the work, jumps in and gets in the way of the growth process and does the work. To the rescuer, what does it feel? This feels good. It feels loving, it feels helpful. But any neutral observer is gonna know you are not helping that person succeed. You're actually making things get worse. Here's the challenge. This rescuing leader cares so much about the organization that this leader thinks, well, I'm not gonna let this one team member's underperformance slow things down. 
So we're going to do it for them. Over time, this rescuing leader ends up carrying a struggling member and compromising their future. We have to understand this is one of the most demotivating and insulting acts that we can do as a leader. We're, we're saying with our actions, you are incapable of doing it right, so I'm gonna rescue you again and again. The application is simple. Here's the problem. The rescuing leader creates helpless followers. The application is once the rescuing stops, the growth begins. Once the rescuing stops, the growth begins. We have to give them permission to fail, permission to experiment, because it's on the other side of failing and experimenting that we actually see growth. So let's review, and again, I want you to work to identify what is your primary and perhaps what is your secondary dark side as a developer. Controlling leaders create compliant followers. Critical leaders create insecure followers. Avoiding leaders create disengaged followers and rescuing leaders create helpless followers. There's a key word that's the same in all these statements, and that is followers, 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 followers. But we need to understand that as a leader, we're not called to create followers. As a leader, we're called to create leaders. And that's why we need to develop people the right way. That's what we're gonna talk about in next month's episode. Let's review this teaching, and then let's dive into application questions. What is your highest calling as a leader? Harry Firestone says, the growth and development of people is your highest calling as a leader. The problem, so many leaders obsess about finding the right strategy. The best leaders obsess about developing and empowering the right people. Your people are the most valuable asset in your organization, and that's why we don't bet on strategies, products, systems. We always bet on people. The four dark sides of developers, number one, is the controlling leader. The challenge is an immature insecure or inexperienced leader often confuses controlling with leading. Leadership though is about influence, not control. The problem, controlling leaders create compliant followers. We create yes people who don't know how to think for themselves. If you lead like this, your leaders will leave, your followers will stay, and your organization will suffer. The application is you can have control or you can have growth, but you cannot have both. There's the critical leader. The problem is the critical leader creates insecure followers. Team members are afraid to fail. They're afraid to experiment. They're afraid to innovate. Without freedom to fail, it's difficult to succeed. The application, a secure leader, an insecure leader or a critical leader gives blame. The strong leader takes responsibility. Number three, there's the avoiding leader. The problem is the avoiding leader creates disengaged followers. They don't coach, they don't mentor, they don't communicate. The lack of communication is translated as a lack of caring. If my leader doesn't care, it's difficult for me to care. The application, you cannot correct what you're unwilling to confront. Number four, <clears throat> let's talk about the rescuing leader. The problem is the rescuing leader creates helpless followers. It's one of the most insulting and demotivating acts you can do is to always rescue someone. The application is simple. Once the rescuing stops, the growth begins. We're not developing followers, we are developing leaders. Two application questions, number one is this. Which of the four dark sides of leadership do you battle with the most? Be really honest. Are you controlling, criticizing, avoiding, rescuing? I encourage you to talk to some other people about this. Do this in a discussion. It's not funny, it's not a cute problem. Without addressing it, it's not going away. Identify your primary, perhaps even your secondary problem 
so you can grow as a leader. Number two, looking at the application of the potential dark side, what do you need to change in your leadership to better develop the people around you? Let's be really specific. What do you need to change to better develop the people around you? And this is where the rubber meets the road. We're not just gonna acknowledge the problem, but we're gonna create a plan that will help us grow through our problems so we can better develop the great leaders around us because without them maximizing their potential, our organizations are always limited. I wanna just tell you, thank you so much. I'm honored that you invest half an hour or so with me every single month. Thank you for sharing on social media. If you have questions, comments, ideas, I'd love to hear from you. Email me anytime at leadership at life.church. As always, be a leader. Be yourself. Be yourself. Don't copy someone else. Why? Because people would rather follow a leader who's always real than one who's always right. Thanks again for tuning in for another episode of the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. For those of you listening or maybe watching on YouTube and you want to access the show notes that Craig mentioned earlier, you can find all of that at life.church slash leadership podcast. Plus, there'll be additional resources questions, and access to past episodes all right there. Plus, you can have all of that information sent to your inbox each and every month simply by giving us your email. Now, for those of you living in central Pennsylvania or the Seattle, Washington area, we have great news. In October and November later this year, Craig will be joining Pastor Brian Houston of Hillsong Church based out of Australia for a special Catalyst One Day. To find out more information for those events or to register, all you have to do is go to catalystleader.com. And for those of you that are enjoying this podcast, we'd love for you to help us get the word out. All you have to do is rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. It's one small thing you can do to help get the word out and help more leaders grow in their leadership around the world. Again, thanks for joining us here at the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. We'll see you next time.